Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Charlotte. I'm Chad. Chad, I read something you wrote on the internet. That it was horrible. It was great. It was a little <laughs> post about the Bible and idolatry and people conflating, confusing the Word of God with the Word of God. Yeah. Uh, and thinking that, <clears throat> like, the Bible is basically the fourth person of the Trinity, <laughs> let's say. And I wanted to talk about that some, because I love your post. Thank you. But also, you come from a different, I think, you would agree, a different context and background than I do. So, for instance, I was raised in, in an Episcopalian church mm. where... If something had authority, it was liturgy, which I love. I'm not dying that at all. But yeah. it's from liturgy that I learned theology. Okay. And, of course, heard the stories of the gospel, heard the Bible preached. But the Bible wasn't some high piece of authoritative literature. And it certainly didn't have these kinds of tinges of inerrancy yeah. and things like that that we see in other streams of Christianity, and I'm going to say American evangelical and fundamentalist Christianity. Yeah. And I've said, I want to point out the American part because it's not representative of worldwide Christianity, except for the fact that the evangelicals and the fundamentalists have colonized <laughs> the global south with their very toxic stuff. But it's not on the forefront of my mind, not how I grew up in the faith thing mm-hmm. of the Bible that way. And so some of this perspective I also think is interesting. So I want to maybe give you an opportunity, or I'd like to ask you, I'd like to know, kind of what brought this post on. Um, yeah, you know, when I, when I first really started taking the Christian faith seriously, I think I did look at the scriptures as basically a fundamentalist would. Um, so it's just been a lot of years of studying and realizing what's in the Bible and trying to to work through all of that. Um, and then just seeing how, and not just today, but throughout Christian history, the scriptures have been used to justify horrendous things. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I'm just in general interested in how we think about the authority of Scripture. Um, but yeah, it's just over the years, I've definitely, my own understanding of the Scriptures has changed. And so I'm kind of where I'm at the place I am now. Um, but in general, the, the target of the post, and I even say so in there, are, is like you say, it's a biblical inerrantist. Um, fundamentalist, probably the vast majority of evangelicals, if they'll willingly bear that title. Um, and, and in my mind, what they do is they too closely identify the scriptures with God. And you can see it in, in, in things they'll say. They'll say, well, it's in the Word of God. If God said it, I, I got to do it. Right. Or I got to believe it. And in the post, I say it's a practical identification. You know, if you go up to some uh, biblical, somebody who holds a position of biblical inerrancy and say, ask them if they think the scriptures are God, they're going to say, obviously, no, 
God and the scriptures are two different things. Right. And yet how they view the scriptures um, in terms of, you know, having no errors and essentially um, they treat them as if God dictated every word. There's a practical identification there, is, is what I want to call it. That essentially, they're identifying God with the scriptures. Right. And I think I get the, the tendency behind that, because the scriptures are how we learn about Christ. Um, they're the primary witness we have to Jesus Christ. And they want some foothold or something they can feel certain about. Or, as many will say, if, if you question one part of the scriptures, they'll respond, well, how can you trust anything in it if you don't take it all as mm -hmm. the truth? Mm -hmm. You know, so they treat the scriptures like a house of cards, and if you move one little card, the whole thing collapses, mm -hmm. which is a horrible way to think about the scriptures. But, again, they want to see the scriptures as the words of God. And so we have this phrase that Christians use, word of God. Right. And we use it to refer to the scriptures, and we also use it to refer to Jesus Christ himself, the person, uh, the incarnate word of God. Um, and I think traditionally, uh, even the proclamation was sometimes referred to as the word of God. Yeah. And so part of what I want to do in the post really is to make the different, to point out not only do we equivocate over that phrase, but to just draw out Yes, we can talk about these two things as the Word of God, but they're two very different things, and they have a certain relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and that ultimately, what I say in the post is that the authority of Scripture is in its function to, number one, reveal Christ, and, number two, to help us live the life that Christ has called us to live. And once our interpretations or use of the Scripture steps outside of those bounds, it becomes an idol because it's serving some other purpose than the purposes and ends of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the basic thrust of, of you know what, so, so many of the issues that have arisen over the last few decades in, in Christianity and politics and such can be traced back to how people treat Scripture. Mm -hmm. And I think in an erroneous fashion. So it's important to think of them in the right way and use them in, in, in the right way. Listening to you right now talking about the relationship between the Word of God as Jesus Christ and the Word of God as Scripture has brought to mind these debates or discussions around separating the art from the artist. Mm -hmm. And of course, we normally talk about that in the negative context, right? So horrible people that have still made good works, but right. how, or supposedly, but how, where we are... We are in that conversation, whether it's around the operas of Wagner mm -hmm. or the music of Michael Jackson. Um, and those are the only two things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm laughing at, but why do you laugh? <laughs> <laughs> but that we're able in those conversations to know that they're not the same. Not the same thing. That they're related and in a, in a significant and intimate way, right? Yeah. I mean, they're expressions in some ways of those people, but they're not the same as those people, mm -hmm. right? Um, so they're identified with. They could speak to some of the things that those people thought, felt, were. Mm -hmm. 
but there's a distinction there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, there's scripture is a singular thing. Um, we want to maybe be careful not to just. I don't mean to just compare it to any other art or literature. Yeah, it's yeah. something different. But that we can see that, and to so to even say that the word of God in scripture, that scripture can be divinely inspired, mm-hmm. etc. But the one-to-one relationship is a wild claim yeah. between the author and the work. Yeah. Even the fact that, and we talked about this before in the podcast, I mean, even the fact that God is then co- constrained in literature to human speech yeah. is <laughs> so wild for... You know, an expansive, eternal, omnipotent being to have to be in human syllables. It can't be the same. No, no, it can't. And hopefully it comes out in the in, in my post that it's absurd mm-hmm. to think of the scriptures as if they're divine. Right. Divinely inspired, sure. Unique and authoritative? Sure. Yeah. I would say so long as they're serving their function. And their function is? To help us come to know Christ and then to live the life. So, in, in, in the post, you know, I said basically, look, our Lord's command to us is simple love. Love God, love neighbor, and the new commandment, love others as He has loved us. If, however, we interpret or use the scriptures fall outside of that love, then they're not functioning according to their purpose and they have no authority for whatever we're trying to use them for. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, just think back to, for instance, the justification of slavery in the South and, you know, how preachers use the scriptures to justify it. Mm-hmm. Unwarranted. No authority for that. Right. Even if you can make what seems like a good argument because it falls outside of the bounds of love, no authority for that. Yeah. 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 One thing I try to do in the post is draw out a couple passages to make these points obvious. So, for instance, there are things in the scriptures that Christians flat out ignore. Now, if the inheritance are right and, you know, it's in the Bible, shouldn't we do it? The one being the Deuteronomy passage where it says if your rebellious children won't start behaving, take them out in the street and have the, the elders of the town stone them to death. Mm-hmm. That's a commandment in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think you know, people will want to say, well, you know, in the Old Testament, there are three different kinds of law. Uh, there's the civil law and the moral law and then the law related to the temple and all that. No, I don't think any first century Judean would have made those distinctions. Sure. It was just all Torah. It was just all the law. Right. Um, I think those are, of course, if, I'm not sure about this, but I think those... Those are distinctions Christians have come up with to explain why we don't obey every little thing we find in, in the scriptures. Um, but obviously, there, there's just some stuff that we ignore. Now, I can sense people would uh, react to this and go, you know, who are we to pick and choose what we're going to obey and what not? Um, or what falls in line with Christ's love or not? And no doubt that's difficult. But... Jesus kind of sets the precedent for that. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, you have heard it said, eye for, uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and so on. He's 
quoting uh, a, 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 retributive, a principle of retributive justice that's found several times in the Old Testament. The worst one is it says something like, you know, have no mercy. Right. Life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yeah. That is so contrary to Jesus Christ. Right. Um, and so what Jesus says is, you have heard it said, and I've, but I say to you. So right there, he's asserting his authority over Scripture. Mm -hmm. And that really is, I think, how we should look at Scripture. Scripture has a certain function, but the authority of Christ and the love of Christ is kind of um, the key to interpreting Scripture in, in a way that um, um, lines up with who we are in Jesus Christ. I mean, I, in some ways I think that's obvious, but, you know, as we know, the Scriptures have been used to justify all kinds of horrendous things. And here's the thing. What ends up happening, again, more practically than explicitly, is people put their faith in the Scriptures. Right. Versus the one to whom scriptures are referring to. Mm -hmm. And you've probably seen it. I've seen it. That what happens is when they begin to learn some of the stuff that's in the scriptures or some of the inconsistencies uh, between the synoptic gospels, when they start to learn the scriptures, then they start having a crisis of faith because the perfect book, now they're beginning to see, it's not as perfect as they thought it was. Right. Um, we don't put our faith in the Bible. We put our faith in the living risen Christ. The Bible is there to help us do that. Yeah. You know? That may seem like a, a, a fine distinction, but it makes all the difference in the world. I, I think. I wonder how much of an issue here is with what incredibly low biblical literacy we have. I mean, throughout I'm going to say American Christianity. But even within these folks who seem to want to thump the Bible around are thumping it around stuff that largely isn't in it at all. Yeah. Um, but certainly cherry-picked verses yeah. beyond this mercy and love that's actually preached in the gospel proclaimed by Christ and, his, and in his life. And so when we talk about things or, you know, affirm this theology of Scripture that says it's, it is this unique and authoritative witness to Christ. It points to Christ, and then we use Christ to interpret Scripture and understand Scripture. None of that works if you don't know Scripture <laughs> one way for another. And, I mean, I know it's a meme, but, you know, this idea of Sunday morning being a book club where no one has read the book... <laughs> Like we come together at least Sunday morning, maybe for a Bible study, and nobody's read the book, or maybe yeah. they read they they hear the passages <clears throat> that you know you maybe read from the pulpit with the sermon. Mm -hmm. They maybe read what's but at that Bible study, and they're not reading the whole. You know, even a full of one of the gospel accounts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's these bits and pieces, and it's like also constantly surprising. Yeah folks in a way that's very telling too yeah biblical literacy is a huge issue in christianity i think yeah because what people believe are are sunday school stories they learn and a few moral ideas and then a lot of cultural baggage that like has, how like how great king david was 
He was horrible. What an outstanding <laughs> gentleman well, he, he was. He was he was a man after God's own heart. Yeah, so. sure. But I I mean and then but but how much of vacation Bible school yeah. and your children's Sunday school is built yeah. around those kinds of stories? Then you read and you've got the Bathsheba thing and yeah. the murdering this guy and yeah. that guy and his own kid, you know, and it's like I'm sorry, this was the model of yeah. Yeah. Um, God's favorite, and like you say, you put all your you put so much stake in that that when one part of it starts to fall apart because it's not real. I think there are a lot of people right now going through that. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially with the internet and so much discussion, people just start learning more and more about the scriptures. Like, I didn't know that was in there. Right. Um, I think it's imperative for Christians to get a handle on how we look at the scriptures and 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 again their function. Um. You know, I'm enjoying Reddit recently. It's probably a huge mistake. But in those Christianity forums, it's just question after question about supposed ideas around sexual immorality. You know, and whether people are going to go to hell because of masturbation masturbation or premarital sex. And you would think, because of the primacy of those questions that the Bible had a lot or like anything to say about some of those topics? They're reflecting what they're seeing in the culture. What they've been taught that's yeah. outside. Again, it's it's ultimately people also taking advantage of this lack of biblical literacy hmm. to tell other folks what's in it and what's important. Yeah. And if you read the Bible, you would know there's this does the Sermon on the Mount have anything in it about touching yourself? <laughs> but you think that that was like Jesus's prime concern. Well, he preached on it every time he talked. Yeah. I don't believe he ever said anything about <laughs> no, it. No, he didn't. So, you know, and then when you engage some of these folks and you know, you bring up like the Song of Songs, you know, mm-hmm. those folks aren't married. Those, you know, the the male lover is hiding from the female lover's family is peeking around the corner and stuff. They're clearly not married. doesn't seem like anybody really approves of them together. That is not a chaste couple. You know, and it's like blowing minds, and which is kind of fun, but it's also destroying or impacting their faith. And then they have the work to do to maybe rebuild to something else, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But... So many of them are gone. Yeah, are just gone. That's just the end of it. Then they've decided it's a lie, you know. And then what about all the stuff Jesus does talk about? Right. He is obsessed with money and wealth and caring for the poor and the widow and the orphan and and one another. Those who are outside. Yeah. Yeah. Not determining who should be outside. Yeah, exactly. And the, the passage that I use in this post is out of John 5. It's an amazing passage. Mm, it is. Because he heals somebody on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. The religious leaders get pissed about that, mm-hmm. start haranguing him, and that's when he says to them, you think you can search the scriptures and find eternal life, and yet you don't come to me for life. How is it? Is it ironic that today's majority of Christianity needs to hear the same thing that look the scriptures in Jesus Christ are not the same mm-hmm. and they're there as a witness to him but we have to go to him not just to believe certain facts about him but to be committed to his way of life in the world 
can you imagine being in a synagogue, seeing someone healed, or, well, there's the healings in the synagogue, but seeing someone healed on the Sabbath. And then being upset. And you're, yeah, you saw that kind of a miracle, and you went to, uh-uh, my book says no. And that's exactly like Jesus staring folks right in the face, in the face, speaking to them through scripture and yet choosing, choosing no instead. I mean, he says right to them, I know you do not have the love of God in you. Right. Because they're pissed he healed somebody on the Sabbath. Well, you can imagine all kinds of scenarios today where Christians would be upset if God loved this person. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Again, they, they people are going to be very upset by who else is in heaven. Now, how is it Christians who do know the scriptures don't notice that the only people he gets upset with are religious people? Yeah. And in this passage, it explicitly harangues them for the way they use scripture in a way that's not in accord with the will of God. Mm-hmm. You're going to be pissed because he healed somebody on the Sabbath and yet he brought good to them, which is exactly what he came to do so we could have life and have it. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man.